Good morning. You like my box? Yeah, I really went out of the way to decorate it, didn't I? <clears throat> I love Christmas decorations. Uh, they set Christmas apart. They make us think about, like, look at my tie, right? It's like, what's going on? It, it sets Christmas apart. It makes it holy. It, it makes us pay attention to what's going on. As a child, I loved the glow of the Christmas tree lights in our living room. I still love the glow of Christmas tree lights in my living room. So I have a question for you, and I, I want you to, to answer the question. What do you think is the most important part of the Christmas tree? Is it the Christmas tree shape? Is it the lights? Is it the ornaments that's on the tree? Is it the angel or the star that we put at the top of the tree? I want you to talk to a neighbor or a friend nearby and just say, what do you think is the most important part of the Christmas tree? I have the answer in the box, okay? So talk to your neighbor. What's the most important part of the Christmas tree? What did you all come up with? Somebody shout out. Lights. lights. Okay, lights because like the yeah, lights remind yeah. What what? Presents under the tree. Yeah. yeah. The star at the top. Yeah, that's all pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. Here's what I think is the most important part of the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree stand because without it the tree would fall over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That reminds me that Jesus is the most important part of Christmas because he's the foundation. He's the creator who gave us life. He's the one who came to give us eternal life. So he's the most important part of Christmas, the foundation that our lives are built on. Even if we don't believe that Jesus is the Savior, people don't realize that they're living because he's the foundation of all things. He's the creator of all things. He is the only one, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent. We've been celebrating the, the Advent wreath and the candles, and today's focus is God's love. The world's trapped. We're trapped in sin. We need a Savior to rescue us. Nature is groaning. Humanity is groaning under the weight of the sin and the curse that it brought to us. So instead of peace that we've been singing about today, there's turmoil. 
Today, I just want to take a few minutes and how focus our attention on God's deep love. God's unchanging. So his love for those who dare to believe in him is unchanging, immovable. His love is so deep, we can't comprehend it. But Jesus reveals an incredible, unchanging truth. There's no doubt God loves sinful humanity. Jesus proves it's true. So rejoice. <laughs> People of God, rejoice because God loves you deeply. Let that be what you think about for a few minutes today and even tomorrow when you run down to see the Christmas tree with all the presents. God's love is deep. I'd like to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10. So if you have a Bible, please turn there with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We want to read verses 12 through 22. And now uh, I'll give you a moment to get there. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 22. And this focuses on Israel, the children of Israel, but we're going to see how it applies to us as well. Deuteronomy 10, beginning at verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Four thoughts this morning. Can you hang in there for four thoughts? First one, God is awesome. Listen to what Moses was reviewing for the Israelites just before they went into the promised land. This was a reviewing of all of God's commandments. They're toward the end of 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And Moses reminds them, first of all, that God is awesome. Consider who God is. Look at verse 14, if you have your Bible open. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth with all that is in it. God owns everything. He's awesome. 
He's the king over all things. He's perfect. He does all things right. Look at verses 17 and 18. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He's fair and he's just and he loves the stranger. He loves everyone. So what were the Israelites' response supposed to be to this great love? Well, they're supposed to love God. It just makes sense. They're supposed to serve God. They're supposed to walk in his ways. Their God is our God, Christians. He's awesome, and we should serve him gladly, too. He deserves your love. Secondly, God is not only awesome, God's love for us is deep. Look at verse 15. Yet the Lord, as great as he is, he set his heart, it says here, in love on the Jewish people, on your fathers, and he chose their offspring above all peoples. These people had nothing to deserve God's attention. None of us have anything to deserve God's love in us. He took a band of 70 people, and they were enslaved. They were sojourners. They were foreigners. They didn't belong in Egypt, but God made them into this nation where their numbers were almost countless. And God delivered them from Egypt's bondage, slaves freed, not by their own hands, but by God's hands. He did amazing, terrifying, and great things, mighty deeds. Tell you what, when God does a mighty deed, do not ignore him. Pharaoh ignored him. He saw the mighty deeds. And look what happened to Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Do not ignore God's coming to earth. <laughs> it will end badly. Christians, God has done great and terrifying things for us. In Colossians chapter 2, we read this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. So, the great and terrible, terrifying things that God did in Egypt was just a precursor to the greater things that he's done for us in Christ. He delivered us from all our guilt by nailing it to the cross. Unbelieving people, even heavenly beings who do not believe what, in what God's great things he's done in Christ were brought to shame, it says in Colossians 2.15 just like Pharaoh. God is awesome. God loves us deeply, so it would be wise for us to depend on him above any other power, for there is no other power. Third, God does what we can't. 
find it interesting. It's kind of a weird description for us modern people, but God says in verse 16, back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, circumcise therefore your heart. How do you circumcise your heart? God does what we can't. We fail to love God as we should. Our hearts are bent toward evil. We all fall short. We don't care for the less fortunate, for the foreigner, for the stranger among us. We don't love as we should. We all fall short. We can't do our own heart surgery to circumcise our hearts. And what does that mean? A circumcised heart means a heart that's marked and set apart to God set to serve God, to love God, to love like God. No, I have a divided heart. I want to love you. I do love, but not all the time. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I go my own way. I do my own things. So God does a work that we can't do. I love what God says to the, through the prophet Ezekiel. Listen, it has to do with the heart. Here's God's promise, Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You will dwell in the land that I will give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. God does what I can't do for myself. He gives me a new heart, a new bent to love God, to follow God when I believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Apostle John tells us in his letter to, to the churches in 1 John 4, we love because God loved, first loved us. God is awesome. God loves deeply. God does what we can't do for ourselves. He gives us a new heart, makes us new people. Change only comes through belief. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God's love is deep for sinful people. How do we know it's true? Because Jesus came. <clears throat> Paul referred to Michael Card I want to refer to Michael Card. He was reflecting on the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us, and here's what he said. Think about what God has done. The God of gods, the Lord of lords, the one who owns heaven and the heavens of heaven and, and the earth and everything on the earth and in the oceans. He, he made it, he owns it, it's his. Imagine, Michael Card says, imagine what it would be like to be at the Father's side, sitting on heaven's throne by your Father, and in the next moment, struggling to sleep in a cattle trough. Imagine what it would be like to go from hearing the praise of angels to suffering the taunts of stupid men. A hymn writer said these words, out of the ivory palaces into the world of woe, only his great eternal love made my Savior go. His love is deep. Believe in him. 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. How can it be? Because God loves us deeply. Because God is awesome. Simply believe and find life. This Christmas, believers, let's rejoice. You have a gift of a new heart if you're a follower of Christ. You have a, a new life. It means you can love God and then you can love others the way God has loved you. Because once you and I were less fortunate, we were strangers to God's promises. We were sinners who were lost, but God made a way. He made us alive. We were dead in our sins. We were outsiders to his promises, but now we've received the gift of eternal life. Simply believe. God's love is deep. Jesus came to save us. God does what we can't do. He gives us a new heart. God is awesome. Believe it and find a new life. So have a Merry Christmas. You're loved deeply by God. Share the hope, share the joy, share the love of Christ so others have what you have. And it's all because of Jesus. He's our tree stand. He's our foundation, the one who alone loves us and can make us love him eternally. Would you pray with me? Lord God, Lord Jesus, you came to rescue us and we praise you for it. You are awesome in all you do. We glorify you alone. Lord Jesus, your love for us is unshakable and it's deep. So I ask you to work in our minds and our hearts so we, we leave that even more. So let the truth sink into our hearts deeply so that we are changed by your great grace and love. We ask you to do this so we show off how great a God you are and how deep your love is. Use us, Lord, even today. We pray this for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.